Hello, listeners. You're listening to Historical AF, or if you cuss like we do, Historical as Fuck. We are two librarians and a historian bringing the funny, weird, spooky, and morbid historical nuggets you never knew you needed to your ear holes. Oh, I'm Keenan. <laughs> I'm Natalie. And I'm Ashley. This is episode 17, part two, witches, bitches. You better work, witch. <laughs> mm-hmm. Insert Britney Spears work, bitch, and get sued. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Britney. <laughs> Guys, leave Britney alone. <laughs> I don't know. I just forgot. I just love that Keenan forgot her own name. Like, like what's next? <laughs> Dude, shit happens. <laughs> Who am I? Where am I? What day is it? I don't know. Am I alive? I listen. I have broken everything today. My Fitbit shit out. It doesn't work oh. anymore. But I'm still wearing it. I don't know why. <laughs> and then it, my <laughs> does it at least tell time? Um, yeah, it does do that. It there we go. Sync. One function. That's all we need. <laughs> it doesn't sync anymore. And then like the screen won't move, so you can't do anything. Like you can't set my workouts. <sighs> and then I broke the cover to my cell phone, which I didn't break my cell phone because I had the cover. So I guess that's cool. And then I broke a pot of plant. Exploded all of my living room. <laughs> and I saved the plant. I just haven't cleaned up all the dirt yet. So it's still in there. So I hope we get done recording before my husband comes home. And he's like, what the hell happened? <laughs> but good. It's great. That's when you go like, Rugger. <laughs> yeah. Rugger, damn you, dog. <laughs> he saw a squirrel. I don't know. I didn't do that. Shit happened. I was podcasting. I was busy. Rocky Pato. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's true. So how was your week, Ashley? My week was pretty good. I mean, chronic illness killing me slowly but softly. But I'm having a good hair day and I'm very pumped about it. <laughs> At least there's that. <laughs> I am. I even posted about it on Instagram and Facebook. And I know people listening can't hear me or can't see me, but uh, it looks it looks real good, people. <laughs> it's finally starting to grow out so I don't look like a boy-ish. <laughs> Yeah, it's like a cute pixie now. Thank you. That. Yes, it's it's going. I've been like binging Riverdale on Netflix, and I was envying how Kevin, one of the characters, does his hair. So I, that's how I've been styling my hair, and I actually love it. <laughs> I have no shame. Ah, <laughs> uh, Riverdale is a cute show. Oh my god, I'm addicted. I think I have an inappropriate obsession right now. It's a little <laughs> horrifying. But yes, how was your week, Natalie? Uh, good. Just busy, busy between, you know, multiple jobs. <laughs> um, but I did finish two books, though, and I binged this show called Typewriter. It's on Netflix. It's actually a a Bollywood Indian show. Ooh. Um, but they've dubbed over it. Um, and I like that actually the dubbing is people with Indian accents. So it's not like, why is this brown person speaking very white? Like, it's <laughs> it's actually, like, people who obviously are from that country that have dubbed over. At least I hope so. And it's really spooky. It's about a, a haunted house and, and a ghost living in the typewriter. And there's these cute kids that are, like, helping to solve a mystery. And at first it seems very PG. And then all of a sudden they say fuck and, and shit and stuff. I'm like, all right, I'm in. It's nice. kind of like... Sold. Like Bollywood Stranger Things in a way. Like, I don't know. It's really good. It's really cute. Oh. And it's, I'm a little sad. It's only five episodes long. That is the worst. That's why I finished it in like two days. <laughs> and I hope season two comes out next year. Hopefully. 
they continue it. But so highly recommend Typewriter. That's what it's called Ooh. on Netflix. Cool. What cool, about cool, you, cool. Kina? Yeah, well, I've been binging Outlander still. And I feel like this show somehow, even though it was filmed years ago, somehow it's connected to the podcast because <laughs> the episode that we did, medical stuff, and I talked about the bandages wrapped in human fat. Like, literally the next day watching the episode, they did that. And it was the executioner had all this stuff. And then, like, every episode we talk about something, it's on Outlander. It's blowing my mind, but it's a That's good show. That's cool. Huh. They just made it to America. So. America. America. Oh, yeah. I just remembered. I wanted to share with the podcast, too. So, last episode, I mentioned the cinnamon brooms that you can hang up in your house like in the fall y'all I walked into a store yesterday and as soon as the doors open I smelled cinnamon I looked down and I saw the first cinnamon brooms of the season I took a picture I sent it to the ladies I was so excited and I may go back and buy one. Oh, that's exciting it's official oh, I can't oh, wait for fall yes oh, last episode my mom called me and she's like I sent it to her early because my mom's spoiled but she gave me, called me and was like, okay, it was a really good episode, but I have notes. Like, <laughs> okay. Oh, good. And then she was like, uh, you said that Christopher Lee was Superman. He was Dracula. I'm really disappointed in you. And I was like, oh, my God. So, yeah, I did say that Christopher Lee was Superman. That's Christopher <gasps> Reeves. Oh. Yeah, so, Christopher. Apologies. <laughs> it didn't even dawn on me. But I was like, why are you taking notes, mother? supposed to be on my side here she's keeping us honest (laughs) isn't that what mothers do though like man i can't count how many times like my mom will stop in conversation and just kind of stare at my face and (laughs) and i'm like what and she'll notice you know like pimples or a little scar or like anything and i'm like thanks mom appreciate it brutally honest Yes. Um, yeah. My mom just says that, like, well, it's nice. And when she says that, I mean, it means she doesn't really like it. She just wants to be nice. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, my mom my- has this little, mm-hmm, this, this yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, my mom goes, oh, okay. Yes. <laughs> that means, like, I don't like that one bit, but okay. <laughs> We're on to you, mothers. We know your ticks and your tells. <laughs> uh, oh, I fully told my mom last week. Okay, my mom watches trashy shows like... Love Island that oh, has been coming on, <laughs> and um, Bachelor, Bachelorette, like okay, she loves okay. those reality shows, which you know I get the drama. Like she was telling me about it, and I mean I get the addiction of it. But then anytime I talk about being part of D and D or doing the podcast or doing some other stuff, she's always like, mm-hmm. "I'm like, no, 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 you." <laughs> Because she's telling me about, more about Love Island, and I just, I'm like, I'm going to stop you right here. <laughs> you cannot judge me when you watch these people, <laughs> when you watch these trashy shows, and then I start talking about dragons. We cannot, you cannot judge on that. <laughs> oh, that's understandable. I think I like, I watch The Bachelor and all that, but it's mostly like a psychological experiment. You get the worst personalities that can be in a building together. And you put them in there and watch what happens. And you can just see somebody lighten that little, like, spark and it just explodes. Yep. Yeah, there's some there's some crazy stuff. But, I, yeah. I do I do get the fascination. But she'll, she'll, she'll be like, I don't really like it. Okay, so Max was over here and this is Candace. And, like, she'll know all of her names and her backstories. And I'm like, mm, I think someone's lying to themselves or to somebody. Okay. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I'm the same. It's like the mind-numbing reality shows where, like, I don't think about anything. I don't have to, like, 
be smart or like analyze anything. I'm just enjoying it. I think that's why like I can shut my brain off and then watch a bunch of people on an island fight because one dude went to stagecoach and banged everybody. <laughs> and now they're on an island together and it is very entertaining. Big mood. <laughs> so oh, that was last night's episode. Spoiler. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, good times. Good times. So are we ready to crack into it jump on in i'm sorry like my buzz is starting to wear off i'm still personally <laughs> victimized by the alcohol that i consumed last week while recording so yeah. like i'm doing it light today and i ate a whole bunch of food which is making me sleepy so let's do this also you should definitely join patreon to listen to that uh drunk dive <laughs> so good yes. <laughs> it was it was awesome Yes. But yeah, that I was cackling the whole time editing the drunk dive, like or watching the drunk dive because we didn't edit it, which made it even more funny. But yeah. like my husband was like, What are you doing? And I'm like, I'm laughing at myself. Get off me. <laughs> yeah. It was good. <laughs> Love it. And you get all of our wild hand gestures and weird trunk facial expressions because it's a yes. video. So Yeah, uh, we did yeah. do video this week and it was Natalie's first drunk dive ever <laughs> with us. So, yeah, like, I guarantee at the end, she was like, Jesus Christ, what have I done? <laughs> She's like, well, I'm definitely the most sober out of the two of you. We're like, actually, oh, yeah, you are. <laughs> actually, it was more of like, we did, what, like, three or four episodes that day. Yeah. And oh, so God. by the end, I'm like, all right, my back hurts. I'm starting to get tired, mentally drained, and everyone's drunk. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But it was so goddamn funny though like i yeah it was i went back and listen i laughed my ass off like it was just crazy it was great so oh. please don't feel like a victim i think you should be proud proud <laughs> of that i was uh, go to our patreon at www.patreon.com slash historical af pod and we will give you that link again at the end yes oh and i also updated our website so now that all the photos from facebook are on the website so if you're yeah. behind and you don't want to scroll through Facebook, you can go to our website, which is historicalafpodcast.wordpress.com. And it has everything in like a blog format. So look at the photos while you listen to us. A new oh. listener experience. Yes, it's so cool. And I'll definitely be putting uh, photos on there as well from now on. Yay. Especially the ghost stuff. You gotta watch the or look at the ghost stuff while we talk about it. Oh yeah, the ghost stuff, like especially the like haunted library Kina did with the the black thing crawling in the children's section. I am still like my jimmies are still rustled about it because it's oh it was so creepy. Yeah, that one I can't. uh, Don't. It was on my phone and I forgot that I had it in my gallery and I was like flipping through. I was like ah, and then deleted it. Love it. All right, so I'm going to jump in this week. Since we always make Kina go first, I'm going to go first this week and give her a break. So yeah, we are in our second week of Witches and Paganism. And I mentioned last week, you know, I did a holiday last week, Lupercalia, which is related but not to Valentine's Day. So today I am going to talk about the origins of Halloween because I got spooky. I love Halloween. It's my favorite holiday. Listen, I love Halloween. I plan my costumes all year, and then inevitably I get pneumonia right before Halloween and end up not being able to do my costume. So, yes, but it's so wonderful. I have, like, witch stuff in my house year-round, like Halloween witch stuff. I love all that crap. I got married in October because I wanted kind of a, like, fall Halloween-y vibe and all that. So, 
Anyway, so for those who don't know, Halloween is an annual holiday celebrated on October 31st each year. And this year, Halloween's actually going to be on a Thursday. Yeah, but okay. <laughs> Have you so seen the Arkansas, yeah. Yes, so in Arkansas, and maybe in other states too, but I've only seen it for Arkansas, they are trying to move Halloween to the last Saturday of the month for safety. Boo. Which I think is real fucking dumb. Because Boo. most of the safety things I've seen cited are things that if the, like, adults of the kids who are trick-or-treating were more responsible, like, putting reflectors on the kid and, like, you know, not driving drunk and stuff like that, then it wouldn't happen. Whatever. I have my feelings on it. But, yes, so this year, October 31st is a Thursday. That is when I am celebrating Halloween. I probably have to work that night. But you know what? I have a flapper dress and I will be wearing it to work. (laughs) (laughs) So, yes. So, the... So Halloween originated with the ancient Celtic festival of, oh my God, I'm going to butcher this, Samhain, which is spelled S-A-M-H-A-I-N. So I always try to say Samhain or Samhain, but it's Samhain. And Samhain was when people would light bonfires and wear costumes to ward off ghosts. So over time, like the Celts who lived about 2000 years ago in the area that's now like Ireland and United Kingdom and Northern France. They celebrated their new year on November 1st. And uh, so that day marked the end of the summer and the harvest. And it began like the, the winter. And it was the time of year that was most associated with human death. So the Celts believed that the day before the new year, which was the 31st, was the time that the boundaries between the worlds of the living and the dead became blurred. Mm-hmm. So with that line being blurred the ghosts of the dead return to earth and they would cause trouble by like damaging crops just mayhem and all that so the celts thought that the presence of the otherworldly spirits made it easier for the druids or the celtic priests to make predictions about the future for a people entirely dependent on like the volatile natural world the prophecies about these the dead coming to earth were an important source of comfort and direction during the winter like being able to know what day they would expect this and use basically use like masks and trickery to make sure to protect their families and their crops, which we know over time, Halloween has evolved into like a day of activities like trick or treating, carving jack-o'-lanterns, festive gatherings, donning costumes, eating treats, you know, trunk or treats, church groups do them now, even though they have pagan roots and all that. It just, wild (laughs) i remember dressing as the pink ranger and going to a church trunk or treat as a kid so that was weird i am old enough that i didn't have any of that shit like we didn't ever have to do the trunk treat we just had neighborhoods so i'm glad that i got to experience it in all its glory yes and for people who don't know what a trunk or treat is honestly i don't either i don't understand them basically like people will park in a parking lot like a church parking lot rec parking lot and then they will decorate the back of their cars to look like a monster or a haunted house or something. And then they give candy out of the back of their cars, which like any other day of the year, you probably don't want to take candy from strangers out of the back of their car. But this is OK for Halloween. It's yes. like Halloween tailgating. It is. Yes, oh, it is. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yes. But think about all the people being like, hey, kid, you want something out of my trunk? They'll be like, fuck yeah, Halloween. Right. Yeah. Hey, little Timmy, any other day, don't do that. so to commemorate the event of all saints day or not all saints day i can't words 
Yes, All Saints Day. Yes. <laughs> reading, reading is hard. Or as I told a friend earlier, proofreading is for squares. So, to commemorate <laughs> the event, Druids built huge sa- sacred bonfires where the people <clears throat> gathered. I'm losing my voice. Hang on. <clears throat> struggle Crap. bus. Toot toot. Oh, God, I am driving this struggle bus into the goddamn ground. Anyway, during the celebration, the Celts wore costumes, typically consisting of animal heads and skins, and attempted to tell each other's fortunes. When the celebration was over, they relit their hearth fires, which they had extinguished earlier that evening, and from the sacred bonfire, they did this to help protect them during the coming winter. So it was all this ritual. So by 43 AD, the Roman Empire had conquered the majority of Celtic territory. In the course of the 400 years that they had ruled the Celtic lands, two festivals of Roman origin were combined with the tradition, the traditional Celtic celebration of Samhain. So, like, it basically is an amalgamation of three or four different things. So, the first one was Feralia, which is a day in late October when the Romans traditionally commemorate the passing of the dead. The second was a day to honor Pomona, who's the Roman goddess of fruit and trees. And then the symbol of Pomona is the apple, and the incorporation of the celebration into Samhain is most likely where the bobbing for apples tradition comes from in Halloween. Oh, okay. Which I never understood bobbing for a- apples, and I always hated doing it. And that was another thing that at, like, church fairs they would make us do. It's now I'm a little gone, better. though. Yes, true. Because I didn't think about it as a kid, because I'm like, apples, and just, like, face plant into it. <laughs> but I didn't realize how germy it is. <laughs> Yes, I never thought of that. And so that's one reason why schools and whoever, you know, any functions, they don't do it anymore because it's super germy. Speaking of, side note, I was watching a thing last night about the Blarney Stone at Blarney Castle. Mm -hmm. And it did not hit me when I was kissing the Blarney Stone when I was there of how disgusting that thing really is. But anyway. No, I think about that. I'm a little bit of a germaphobe. Like anytime I see something that... Like, a lot of people want to touch. Like, in front of the library downtown Little Rock, there is a sculpture that spins. It looks like a top, yep. like a wooden top. And it looks really cool. But I see how many kids and people touch and spin it. And I'm like, that's, like, the last thing I want to do. Because, no, thank you. Well, I kissed the Blarney Stone and lived to tell the tale. All right. <laughs> I know my friend Emery was just like, oh, you're just improving your immune system. I'm like, when you die someday, that's... Yeah. I'm going to laugh a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so I just had to share that because I thought of that. So All Saints Day. On May 13th, 609 CE, Pope Boniface IV, words are hard, guys, dedicated the Pantheon in Rome in honor of all Christian martyrs. And the Catholic Feast of All Martyrs Day was established in the Western Church. And this is when later Pope Gregory III expanded the festival to include all saints as well as all martyrs. And they moved the observance from May 13th to November 1st. Hmm. Okay. So by the 9th century, the influence of Christianity had spread into Celtic lands. And that's how Christianity kind of like took over All Hallows' Eve, Samhain, all that. So sorry, as old as time. <laughs> yeah, tale as old as time. I went, there, I went there, too, Beauty and the Beast. Nice. <laughs> Nailed it. Crushed it. All right. So I'm not going to continue regaling you with the rest of the Christian rabble-rousing because we know how that goes. It happens the same way every time. <laughs> so let's talk about how Halloween came to America. Ooh. 
Oh, oh, oh. While I'm thinking about it, I need to get this ready. I have a link to send you both. Ooh, yay. I like links. Because we are going to get into costumes. <gasps> and I have this amazing link, which I will also share some of the photos. And I'll share the link on our Facebook page or on our social media when I get ready to do that post on Sunday when this drops. So, celebrations of Halloween were extremely limited in colonial New England because of the rigid Protestant belief systems there. And Halloween was much more common in Maryland and in the the southern colonies. As the beliefs and customs of different European ethnic groups, as well as like the American Indians meshed, a distinctly American version of Halloween began to emerge. This first celebration included play parties, like public events that were held to celebrate the harvest where neighbors would share stories of the dead, tell each other's fortunes, dance and sing. So it was less about like protecting the crops and protecting your family and more about celebrating harvest and having fun and all that. So colonial Halloween festivities also featured the telling of ghost stories and mischief making of all kinds. Middle of the 19th century, annual autumn festivities were common, but Halloween was not celebrated everywhere in the country at this time. In the second half of the 19th century, America was flooded with new immigrants, and these new immigrants, especially the millions of, like, Irish that were fleeing the Irish potato famine, which we will cover someday, but I'm not going to go into it today, they helped to popularize the celebration of Halloween nationally. But I was curious how trick-or-treating came to be. So basically, in Irish and English traditions, they would go... In co- dress up in costume and go house to house asking for food or money, which if I knew that money was on the table for trick-or-treating, I would have been asking for that shit since I was five. <laughs> but so the Americans borrowed this tradition, basically. And eventually it came to be known as trick-or-treat. So you go to the door, you ask trick-or-treat, and you either get a prank of some sort or you get a treat. Again, if I'd known money was on the table, I would have thought <laughs> about this differently. So then... Young women believed that on Halloween, they could divine the name or appearance of their future husband by doing tricks with yarn, apple pairings, or mirrors. Oh. So that was another part of the trick option of trick-or-treat was you could do these tricks instead of getting a treat and find out who your future husband was. So in the late 1800s, there was a move in America to mold Halloween into a holiday more about community and neighborly get-togethers than about ghost pranks and witchcraft. So hashtag trunk or treats. <laughs> so at the turn of the century, Halloween cel- parties for both children and adults became the most common way to celebrate the day. Parties focused on games, foods of the season, and festive costumes. So parents were encouraged by newspapers and community leaders to take anything frightening or grotesque out of Halloween celebrations. Boo! Big boo. <laughs> no. Bad papers. No. <laughs> Bad community leaders. Because Halloween is so much more fun when it's scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yes, because of these efforts, Halloween lost most of its superstitious and religious overtones by beginning by the beginning of the 20th century. So, like, what we have now for Halloween is very, very mild. And we've sanded down all of its sharp edges, which I hate because Halloween is so much fun and spookiness is awesome. And I just have big feelings about it. But anyway... Okay, so I just sent y'all a link on Messenger of 70 vintage Halloween costumes that were really creepy. Oh my god, I love these. I I love these. these. Okay, so like something that I didn't mention so far, but jack-o'-lanterns used to be made out of gourds. And (laughs) 
like turnips and stuff like that as well. So they're super creep creep and I love them. And the Halloween costume tradition was putting on costumes to scare, to trick the dead into thinking that there were no humans around. So there was no humans to harm. And it was also, you know, you would wear the scary costumes to scare away evil spirits and all of that. So now, like, everyone's dressing like Moana or a trashy mechanic, you know, that kind of thing. But it, like, okay, guys, these pictures, they're, there's a few that are so, like, I think these people are supposed to have, like, lamb masks on, but they look like llamas with a gnome. Mm -hmm. And there's people who look like aardvarks, and there's mushrooms, and... There's All one kind with like two adults and a child, and the child looks terrified. He does. Yes. <laughs> yes. Like if you've ever looked at the pictures of uh, kids with the Easter bunny, this is up there with that. <laughs> but yeah, because back then, all the costumes were homemade. You couldn't just pop to your big box store and buy a mask and some hair glitter and all that. Like these were all what you came up with on your own in your house. So they're fascinating. So I am going to talk just a little bit about Halloween folk legend. And that starts with black cats and ghosts. Woo! Two of my fave. So, yes, two of my fave things. So this in December festival that the Celts had was when people felt the closest to their deceased relatives and friends. So for the friendly spirits, they set places at the dinner table, left treats on the doorstep and along the side of the road, and lit candles to help loved ones find their way back to the spirit world. So today's Halloween ghosts are often depicted as more fearsome and malevolent, and our customs and superstitions are scarier too, based against that. So we avoid crossing paths with black cats, afraid that they might bring us bad luck. This idea has its roots in the Middle Ages, when many people believe that witches avoided detection by turning themselves into black cats, which I didn't know. So we try not to walk under ladders for the same reason. The superstition may have come from the ancient Egyptians, who believed that triangles were sacred, Something else I didn't know, but duh, because pyramids. (laughs) So it also may have something to do with the fact that walking under a leaning ladder tends to be fairly unsafe. I appreciate the traditions and legends that come about by just plain dumb common sense. (laughs) So three stooges every time they went under like a ladder, like a can of paint would hit them in the head. Yes, exactly. Don't be a dumbass, basically. Exactly. (laughs) So, around Halloween, especially, we try to avoid breaking mirrors, stepping on cracks in the road, or spilling salt. You know, if you spill salt, throw it over your left shoulder to ward off evil spirits. Don't step on a crack or you'll break your mother's back. Unless you hate your mom, then okay, step on a crack. Whatever. Let us know what happens. We don't condone it. (laughs) Just in case. Yes. So, yes. I was wondering why... A lot of these traditions involve telling each other's fortunes, but in Scotland, fortune tellers recommended that an eligible young woman name a hazelnut for each of her suitors and then toss the nuts into the fireplace. The nut that burned to ashes rather than popping or exploding, the story goes, represented the girl's future husband. Okay, so how do you keep track of which one? Do you, like, throw them in different parts of the fire? I guess you, like, throw them in different, like, you're like, this one's Tim, and, like, throw it to the left. And, like, this one's Neil, and throw it in the middle. And then this one's Jonesy, and, like, throw it to the right. And then, or maybe you do, like, one and see if it busts or pops or burns to ash. And then you do another, and then you wait, and then you do another. I don't know. Line them up. Even so, like, the fact that you have to let it burn to ash, I, like, I feel like that's almost an omen. Yes. (laughs) Yes. 
also time consuming. Time is money, people. Who has time for this? <laughs> yes. Which, on the opposite side of this, in some versions of this legend, the opposite was true. And the nut that burned away completely symbolized a love that would not last. Uh, see, that makes more sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. yeah me too. But yeah, so like there was a lot of matchmaking involved with Halloween traditions, which I guess when you tie it into like the bounty of the crop and all of that, it makes sense. So yeah, it's, I was just fascinated by the hazelnut situation. <laughs> many, many of these rituals included like women identifying their future husbands, obviously, and it reassured them that they would someday with luck by next Halloween be married. Ooh. So yeah, also... <laughs> Sorry, I just saw this and I wasn't going to say anything, but then it it makes me laugh. So in 18th century Ireland, which this is the most Irish thing ever, a matchmaking cook might bury a ring in her mashed potatoes on Halloween night, hoping to bring true love to the diner who found it. Oh, I know that super. I know that. Oh, Yo, Irish stuff. Man. They also shove uh, rings and jewels and stuff in wedding cakes, and then yes. they, they pull them out, and that's supposed to be your future. Of your love. Yes, I, I also admit, had some info on soul cakes, which has a similar background. I admit that the ring in the food has always bothered me. It terrifies me. Gross. Like it is gross, like to pull it out and also like accidentally choke on it or you eat it or break yep. your tooth or something. Like I'm so paranoid. I would yep. I would hate that. <laughs> I did the wedding cake pull out thing and I got money and then According to Irish superstition, I got married on a Monday, so it's supposed to be that we'd be, like, wealthy in love and wealthy in life, nice. you know? So, everything leads to me having money. I don't know where it's at yet, but... Love it. All someday. this... Someday, it's coming. You know, why can't it be more specific? Like, <laughs> and, and I'd hate it if it ends up being, like, the day before you die or, you know, like, some... <laughs> and versus, like, yesterday. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, like, it's worse, that song... Can you, can you let me know when when I'll get this, please? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Some of the other matchmaking type things, superstitions that would be done was young women would eat a sugary concoction made of walnuts, hazelnuts, and nutmeg before bed on Halloween night and dream about her future husband. Or young women could toss apple peels over their shoulders. I've done this with some kids growing up. I don't remember. You toss the apple peel over your shoulder hoping that the peels will fall on the floor in the shape of their husband, future husband's initials. You can also learn about your future by peering at egg yolks floating in a bowl of water. You can stand in front of a mirror in a darkened room, or you can hold a candle and look over their sh over your shoulder into your, um, to see if you can see your husband's face in the flame. Hmm. Yes. I so also have, a, I have facial blindness. So like, when I'm looking at you, I know who you are. But if I don't look at you and I try to imagine your face, I can't see it. So that'd nice. be my luck. I would look at my future husband's face and be like, I don't remember what the fuck it looked like. Yeah. Be like, who the fuck are you? Why are you in my candle? <laughs> but he was hot. So, you know, it's, yeah. I'm going to be all right. But yes. Yeah, so that's all I have on Halloween. Oh, that's really cool. Halloween. Yes, I do too. All right. So I had your classical historical AF this week so i decided to do the malleus maleficarum yes. i English, <laughs> right so this is latin for hammer of witches and it's arguably one of the most infamous books ever written due primarily to its position in regard during the middle ages so if you've ever watched the da vinci code this is what they're talking about 
the witch's hammer. All right. So it served as a guidebook for the inquisitors during the inquisition and was designed to aid them in the identification, prosecution, and dispatching of witches. So if you don't know what the inquisition is, it just basically means that the time where the Catholic church was aiming to combat heresy. So not necessarily like inquisition doesn't mean just specifically witches. Just heresy in general. But we'll get into why witches is heresy in a little bit. Nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition. (laughs) (laughs) So this book, this whole idea was based on the biblical command in the book Exodus that says, Thou shalt not suffer a witch to live. And people took that extremely literally. So thanks, Bible. (laughs) Yeah, for real. Thanks. The one thing they take literally, really. (laughs) Fun fact, it sold more copies than any other book in existence except the Bible until 1678. That's 192 years as number two on the bestsellers list here. Damn. For, like, context, you know? (laughs) I would be more impressed if it wasn't basically a manual on how to murder people, but here we are. (laughs) Though, (laughs) Though it was eventually banned by the Vatican, it remained a popular book among the Catholic and Protestants, so the one time the Catholics and Protestants came together, it was just murdering witches, obviously. So it eventually sold over 30 editions throughout the 200 years that it was in print. So on the oh. concept of books, this is pretty impressive. It is. Yeah. And I like that everyone came together for murder. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Like, if you know anything about the Catholic and Protestants in, like, Middle Europe, it's just, I mean, like, the Tudors is probably the most recognizable thing you had bloody mary that was murdering all protestants and then you had queen elizabeth the first who was like yeah protestants aren't that bad but then all the catholics were like fuck you protestant and then like just bloody wars for years but then they're like all right let's just share this book this is cool we are both on the same page here blows my mind (laughs) so this book was written in 1486 by two german dominicans named heinrich kramer and jacob springer one of the reasons that the Malleus Maleficarum was so popular was because of the reputation of its authors. So, Jacob Springer, which I could probably say more Germany, but I don't know how to do that. <laughs> uh, he was, he I just want like, to take a stab at it. Is it like Jacob Springer? I don't know. Moving on. Oh, I can't even. Well, like, Jacob is right. They have to be Jacob. like Springer. I can't even do it. I can do my maiden name, Hockenberry. <laughs> this does sound like you're like Hawken. Anyway, Hockenberry. <laughs> he was a uh, prior and region of studies at the college convent. Not college, Cologne convent. That's not the same word. So, anyway, a prior is an ecclesiastical title for superior. It's usually lower in rank than an abbot or an abbess, but it's just generic usage for anybody that's a monastic superior, in case you don't know what a prior is. So, like, the Priory of Scion and the Da Vinci Code. I'm going to go back. Oh. Oh. It's so fancy. I know, right? I love the Da Vinci Code. I love that book. All right. So, he later became the dean of the Cologne University. In 1488, he was named the Provincial of the Province of Germany. So, really high up there. The Heinrich guy <laughs> was the prior of the Dominican house in Schlettstadt in Lower Alsace. Bless you. Yes. <laughs> oh, I love German. 
<laughs> I mean, I know I'm like half German. I don't know how to speak it. My sister's grandparents were half sisters, but her grandparents were from Germany. So she can like speak a little and like sound good. And I'm just like, hillbilly. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> 1474, he was appointed the Inquisitor for several German provinces, and he was eventually expelled as Inquisitor for using fraudulent tactics to convict witches. So, he was a little uh, a radical Inquisitor, if you will. Oh. Yeah, sounds like <laughs> Alright. A papal bull from the Pope Innocent VIII, who desired that all heretical depravity should be driven far from the frontiers and Oh, God, what's that word? Burns? B-O-U-R-N-E-S? Yep. Borns? Borns of the Faithful gave Kramer and Springer the power in 1484 to prosecute witches. The bull whose intent was to quell Protestant objection to the Inquisition was an important precedent to the Melius Maleficarum, which was adopted as a witch hunting manual by both Catholics and Protestants in Germany, France, and Italy. A papal bull, which you don't know if you don't know what that is, is a public decree, letter, patent, or chartered issue by the Pope of the Roman Catholic Church. It is named after the leaden seal, which is called a bula, and it was traditionally appended to the end of the order to authenticate it. Oh, okay. So, just means like an official document from the Pope. Which I saw a picture of it's really cool. That's anyway. a really fancy way to say here's something from the Pope. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it really is. Really is. Okay. I just mentioned it like on a post it. Like, here you go. <laughs> right. A little leaden seal. The Malleus Maleficarum crystallized into a fiercely stringent code, previous folklore about black magic, with church dogma on heresy, and it opened the floodgates for inquisitorial hysteria, which we've talked about mass hysteria before. This was kind of the book that led to the mass witch hysteria in medieval ages. How cool. I mean, not cool, but cool. Yeah, I mean, it's very interesting. It's just also devastating because we're going to get into why it's so horrible here in a second. But the book itself is divided into three sections. The first was to answer skeptics' questions, and especially those who thought witchcraft was just a superstition and trying to prove that it's not just something that's superstitious. This part of the book attempted to prove that the practice of witchcraft was real and that those practicing witchcraft really did make agreements with the devil and used that agreement to cause harm to others. It claimed that witches completely renounced God and the Catholic Church and that they had specifically carnal relations with the devil and that they offered children as human sacrifices. We learned that in Hocus Pocus. I think Sabrina, we talked about that last week. There's the part where if you're getting married, the devil can have the first night with you. Oh, yes. Like a whole storyline. So uh, that comes from this, too. This is the first time that this whole idea was written down. So I wonder if they got it from this book. (laughs) Okay. There is also a fun clause in there that says, because of the nature of the enemy, any witness, no matter what their credentials are, may testify against the accused. So it's basically saying that it's legal for anybody to testify against you and they don't have to have any reasoning or actual evidence to accuse you, which is extremely scary. (laughs) Rude. And also something that happens in today's time. Da 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 da. Also true. You just put it on Facebook. And there you go. Ta-da. Exactly. Everyone the internet it. says it's true. 
<laughs> and here's the big, really scary part. It says that that not believing in witchcraft itself is heresy. So on the grand scheme of things, it's saying like you have to believe in witches and you have to persecute them. And if you decide that you're not going to believe in witches and persecute them, you're therefore an heretic and that as an inquisitor, we can come after you too. So this is saying to every Catholic out there, like you have to believe this book, which is incredibly dangerous. That part really got me because even if you're just like, it's superstition, I don't believe in that. They're going to be like, no, you're going to get burned too because heretics burn. Yep. Okay, so the second section sought to prove that that real harm was caused by the witches. It emphasized the important, uh, importance. I can't talk today. What is wrong with me? Okay. I don't know, but I really want you to say the malification or whatever that word is. I really want you to say it three times fast. Maleficarum, maleficarum, maleficarum. I don't think I said it right. It makes me think of Wicked. <laughs> <laughs> Wicked, the musical? Yeah, she does the Nelephicomenomenachunachunelikonomen. <laughs> Bless you. <laughs> yes. But when I, because I had originally considered doing this topic before I realized that you were doing a book, and every time I would read the Malleus whatever, it I would sing that song in my head. <laughs> I have unfortunately never seen that. <gasps> it's so good. I know I need to. I'm going to see Cirque du Soleil tomorrow. So that's something. Oh, cool. I, it, that is also very good. No matter what show you go see. Anyway, <laughs> so the second section sought to prove that real harm was caused by witches. It emphasized the importance of the devil's pact in proving heresy. It detailed specific acts of the maleficia, which just means you know, witchcraft, such as harm to crops and cattle, which we've all heard that whole thing, like, my cow died, she's a witch, you know. (laughs) (laughs) It discusses a wide range of spells and sorcery. Many of the stories of witchcraft used for evidence in this section came from the inquisitions conducted by the authors. So since the Pope gave them, you know, papal privilege or whatever to be inquisitors, they went around and terrorized Poor, poor, mostly women, let's be real. And you stop for the book, which I imagine is so reliable. <laughs> so, yes, that glossary is foolproof. <laughs> and then the third section was a manual for the procedures to investigate, arrest, and punish witches. <sighs> it outlines the procedures for taking testimony, questioning suspects, and for torture because torture was sanctioned as a means of securing the confessions. Yikes. Yikes. It states that the identity of an accuser may be withheld from the suspected witch. So if we went up and be like, she's a witch, you didn't have to tell her who accused her. Judges are allowed to lie to the accused and promised immunity if they confess. And then once they confess, they're like, "Mm, just kidding. And then they still punish them. (laughs) It's like it's a lose-lose situation. Yeah, you literally cannot win. The authors justified their harsh tactics because it was believed necessary to persecute witches in order to protect the pious and the innocents from the dangers of the devil. God, you can't see me rolling <laughs> my eyes, but I'm just... I know, I, I keep just shaking my head because this is it's just all so ridiculous. I, I don't know. Yeah, spoiler alert. No real verifiable witches were ever actually discovered, but a lot of people died anyway. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Shocking. 
So often the very accusation was enough to see one branded a witch and they were tried in the Inquisitor's court and then burned alive at the stake, which again, shocking. Estimates of the death toll during the Inquisition worldwide ranged from 600,000 to as high as 9 million over its 250 years. Imagine 9 million in 250 years. That's a fucking lot. And that's kind of a, a statistic that's coming out more recently with scholars. There's a lot of people that argue that this wasn't an instrument of the church, therefore this didn't happen, and the Da Vinci Code was this, like, wild accusation. But this did happen. Whether or not the church sanctioned the murders, that is actually questionable. But this did happen. And then this is an even more chilling number when you realize that most of the accused were women, and most of the people that were accused of being witches were just simply outcasts or considered suspicious. I am shocked and agog at this information. (laughs) This is totally something we do not relate with at all. Absolutely. (laughs) It became open hunting season for women, especially herb gatherers, midwives, widows, gypsies, older women, and spinsters, which I would have been considered a spinster because I didn't get married till 30. Same. I would have totally got burned. I just know it. Well, I got married at 29, but I still would have been in Spencerville. (laughs) And especially, like, if a woman did not have a man to supervise her, she was suspicious. So if you, like, your father died and you hadn't married yet, you would be the first person to be pinpointed as witch just because you simply didn't have family or a husband. That's just ridiculous. Look, I live most of my life unsupervised by men, so sorry. (laughs) And if you didn't fit within the contemporary view of a pious Christian, you were branded a witch, which usually led to your early death. (laughs) Oh, God, this is so depressing. So the manual bases this on the idea that both good and evil in women tend to be extreme. After providing many stories of women's vanity, tendency towards lying and weak intellect. Fuck you. They're going on the fuck you list. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Okay. <laughs> the Inquisitors also alleged that a woman's lust is the basis of all witchcraft, thus making witch accusations also a sexual accusation. Well, duh, women don't like sex. We've already covered that. Right? <laughs> I know. It's like this extreme. Women aren't allowed to like sex. Therefore, you know, the whole hysteria that we talked about. But then again, if women like sex, they're a witch. Yep. Like, either way, We're you're yeah, true. Oh, you cannot win. The thing that really kind of surprised me is that midwives were especially singled out as wicked for their supposed ability to prevent conception or terminate a pregnancy by deliberate miscarriage. The so real pioneers. Mid- like midwives are, um, I mean, honestly, it's really similar to what's happening today with the whole abortion. Conversa- it's not even a conversation anymore, but everything happening with abortion, people are getting blamed. And the whole criminalizing of abortion. This is not a new thing. Yep. It's nope. Been Always been a thing. Uh, there was also a claim that midwives ate infants. So, oh. Like you do. Yeah. <laughs> and then they would offer the other children to the devil. So. Huh. It's like a double whammy. Like since I don't eat meat. I'm a vegetarian. <laughs> so it's like 
double doubly gross <laughs> um, you don't eat meat you'd be like obviously handing them over to the devil be like mm, i don't eat this here you go i'm sorry this baby's not kosher let's not... eat more tofu thank you yes <laughs> is that baby tofu let's eat that now if morningstar came out with a, a baby sausage you know maybe but <laughs> that's especially fitting because the devil's last name is morningstar i know oh. <laughs> I have never put the two and two together before. Okay. I know. It makes me laugh every time I see Morningstar patties. Yes. <laughs> really, that's why people think like vegetarians and vegans are like the devils. That and the red paint, probably. We Morningstar. We yes. have solved it right now. This is yeah. <laughs> crushed it. Hard hitting news on a Skullboy <laughs> pod. Oh, God. So the manual also asserts that witches make a formal pact with the devil and copulate with incubi, a form of devils who have the appearance of life through aerial bodies. It also asserts that witches can possess another person's body. Another assertion is that witches and devils can make sexual organs disappear. Oh, what? That's, that's handy. <laughs> Especially if someone cheats on you or something, just like, oh, where'd it go? Really? I don't know. Have fun peeing. <laughs> oh, that would be handy, wouldn't it? Imagine like an I Dream of Genie where someone like bobbed her head and just bing. <laughs> oh, that's like the lost episode of I Dream of Genie. Right. <laughs> when yes. she gets really mad at her husband or something. <laughs> Look, if I could blink and make someone's penis fall off, this world would be such a better place. Or worse, they might get so mad or revolt. I mean, that is pretty bad. Nah. Get back! I bring you back! <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, bro. <laughs> so many of their sources of evidence, which is in quotations here, for the weakness and wickedness of wives are, with unintentional irony, pagan writers like Socrates, Cicero, and Homer. So a lot of the people they cited in this book were pagans. Uh, of course. Oh my god. <sighs> They also drew heavily on the writings of Jerome, Augustine, and Thomas of Equinus. Yeah, I think it's funny. It's like, oh, witches, blah, but then they're, like, quoting pagans. <laughs> oh, God. So, detailed directions were given for examinations. One aspect was a physical examination looking for any instrument of witchcraft, which included marks on the body, which happened in Outlander. And then she had <laughs> what? A- she had a smallpox vaccine scar. They're like, oh, devil's mark. I'm telling you, Outlander is like, it's pretty much the footprint of this whole podcast. Everything <laughs> we've talked about has been on here. It also was assumed that most of the accused would be women for the reasons given in the first section. The women were to be stripped in their cells by other women examined for these signs of witchcraft. And because of this, hair was to be shaved from their bodies so that the devil's marks could be revealed more easily. How much hair was shaved varied from woman to woman. Yikes. <sighs> I don't like that. No. This is like 1400s. How did they shave back then? Wasn't that just like straight blade? Yeah. Probably. I think like, did they have scissors? They could like use scissors to cut longer hair off. They probably Close. had shears, you know, yes. to cut and then... Probably a knife to, if they need to yes. go closer. I don't know. My f- first thought was, like, bodily hair. Like, go full bush. Because this would have been, like, 1400s. <laughs> Nobody yes. trimmed that shit. Like, somebody mm-hmm. coming at you with a razor blade? I don't know. I don't yeah. know about that. <laughs> <laughs> do, do not like. 
<sighs> it's a sensitive area, okay? okay? Well, no, I'm just picturing, like, like, can you give me the, like, landscaping? Like, some sort of... <laughs> a landing strip? A broomstick? Yes. <laughs> <sighs> You're just gonna so gross. <laughs> Beyond switches marks, there were other signs by which the manual claimed a witch could be identified. For example, being unable to weep under torture, or if you're in front of the judge, you don't cry. Huh. So, your lack of emotions was obviously, you're a witch. But everybody processes, like, stress and terror differently, so it's kind of shitty to be like, you can't cry. Well, I almost imagine by then, like, you would shut down even, Mm -hmm. like... Yeah, I'd be like, I probably wouldn't have much emotion left in me if I've been in jail and imprisoned. And by the time they put me in front of a judge, I probably wouldn't be showing much. I don't know. I might just be given up by that point. Yeah. And at this point, (laughs) you've been stripped naked, humiliated. You've probably been just verbally abused, physically abused. And then by the time you're tears to give, no more fucks, no more tears. Yep. No more fucks, no more tears. But also, like, psychologically, your body will shut down. You can't show emotion because you're just in self-preservation mode. So that really sucks. Thank God for science. God damn. Real talk. So there were references to the inability to drown or burn, which we talked about in the extra as book episode. And these tests were justified to see if a woman could be drowned or burn. If she did drown or burn, she was innocent. But if she uh, didn't, then she was a witch. And then they would kill her in a different way. Which, again, is just a horrible... <laughs> Like, the one we talked about in the last time, she happened to get out of her ropes and survived. And then because she was smart enough and, like, able enough, obviously a witch. Just, oh, this makes me so angry. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so confessions were a central part to the process of investigating and trying to suspect witches and made a difference in the outcome for the accused. A witch could only be executed by the church authorities if she herself confessed but she could be questioned and even tortured with the aim of getting confession. So at this time, she had to admit it, but they were tortured to the point where you had to say you were or you would die. So you definitely don't win there either. A witch who confessed quickly was said to have been abandoned by the devil, and those who kept a stubborn silence, also in quotes there, had the devil's protection. So they also judged you on how fast you confessed. <laughs> oh, good lord. So Again, it's, it's a lose-lose. Oh, God. They really, they covered their bases in this book. There's no way to escape it. You can't escape persecution. And torture was also seen essentially as a exorcism. It was to be frequent and often to proceed from gentle to harsh. If the accused witch confessed under torture, however, she must also confess later while not being tortured to show that the confession was valid. But I'm assuming at that point, like, that's probably like, oh, we're being kind. But also, if you torture somebody to a point of confessing, they're going to not want to go back to that. So they're going to confess again. So it just makes me so sad. Yeah, it's awful. If the accused continued to not deny being a witch, even with torture, the church could not execute her. However, they could turn her over after a year to secular authorities. And then she would be executed as a witch. Fuck that. So there's literally no way of getting out of this is basically what I'm getting at here. Let's just drink some more of it. <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to sit here and silently drink. The manual also included specific advice to the judges on how to protect themselves from the spells of witches. 
Under the obvious assumption that they would worry about becoming targets of the persecuted witches, which if any of them had been a witch, they would have been, they would have been fucked. But yep. here we are. <laughs> and it also included for the specific language that they should use at trial to protect themselves from witches. Its effects were even felt in the New World, where the last gasp of the Inquisition was felt in the English settlements of America, a la the Salem Witch Trials. And then the last part here is it must be remembered that this book was during a time pre-science, so there weren't really advances in that. So any unexplainable illness or anything happening, mental illness, just anything like that would be attributed to magic. So everything had this kind of superstitious witch cloud over it so it kind of makes sense that this was like a really primed environment for hysteria this really sucks for them and then I just wanted to end that finally that the papal bull from the Pope did happen to create this book it doesn't mean that the Catholic Church persecuted witches per se they technically weren't persecuted they were persecuting heretics not necessarily witches and the writers of the book kind of ran with it the Vatican did eventually ban the book so this whole, the Da Vinci Code thing being like, the church was killing free-thinking women by the millions, that's not necessarily true because the church didn't necessarily sanction these murders. But they didn't stop it either, so. Yeah, that's a real convenient excuse. <laughs> yeah. they, they eventually, I say eventually, not right away, but they eventually did ban it and say that they were not part of that. But not to piss off Catholics, I love Catholicism, I'm fascinated by you guys, but. You got some dark history, guys. Dark, Yikes, dark, Catholics. Dark Yikes. I mean, religion has been the source of fear in all kinds of ways. I mean, yeah, and that's basically absolutely. when you said, like, priming for mass hysteria. I mean, that's, that's what it is. It's just fear and then not knowing how to explain it. And then either God's punishing us or she's a witch. And it's mm -hmm. the devil, you know. It's one way or and the other. Was. And the medieval ages were very just... Very superstitious about everything. And but you also think that people were dropping dead of the plague, you know, and a lot of this stuff could have been preventable based on like hygiene for one. Mm -hmm. But they immediately latched on this idea that they're being punished by God. And if they weren't being punished, then there was somebody that was causing this to happen to them, and it just turned into this mm, ugh, 250 years of hell of this book. But I uh oh man, it makes me sad. I would have totally burned. I just know it. I talk too much. I, yeah, I absolutely would have burned as a witch. I know it wouldn't last long. I don't know if I'd burn as a witch, but I know it would probably would be liked. <laughs> <laughs> I'm too opinionated. I would die. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> I pick herbs in the forest sometimes. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> do you frolic? <laughs> I do. I'm a frolicker, and I will admit it. <laughs> the devil made me do it. <laughs> well, sorry, that's like, I watched, uh, a documentary a long time ago about the Spanish Inquisition and they would go and search women's houses even women who weren't accused of witchcraft yet and if they had certain items in there they'd be like well this is a sign that you're a witch and it was stuff like like a bobbin it was something in the shape of a kind of like a voodoo doll that they would put their pins in for their sewing they had oh. one of those that was perceived as being a tool of the devil and if they had it was, I can't remember what it was, but it looks like a wooden dildo. And if you had those in your house, they would assume that you were using it in sex with the devil and you're a witch. <laughs> oh, but my like, God. I mean, just everyday shit that was in people's houses. They would be like, oh, well, 
Sharon's a witch. Load her up. Like, it just does not make sense to me. And now I actually have a little person-shaped pincushion for my sewing because of that. I mean, now women are like, I'm a witch. But back then, they're all like, God damn it, I'm just single and, like, 30. (laughs) I'm just old and lame. (laughs) (sighs) I know I'm I'm 27. I have I have no wish to get married, and I don't want children. And, oh yeah, uh, we should all be witches for not having children at this point. So. Yep. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was always like, I'm never gonna get married. And I met Zeke, and I'm like, well, shit. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm still on the. Sorry, mom. I'm still on the cusp of not wanting kids. But, uh, That's what dogs and cats are for. It's yep. true, but uh. I mean, if we think today of being like, I don't want to have kids because I don't want to raise them in the environment and climate that we're in today. Can you imagine people in this period, too? I mean, I'm mm-hmm. sure it went through women's heads. Like, why would I want to raise a kid that's going to get burned as a witch? Exactly. And then you get burned as a witch because you didn't have a kid. <laughs> that's why I used to hope for a boy. Because mm. they can inherit and get money and possibly have less likely chance of getting burned as a witch. Yep, and whatever else people accused at that time. True. Anyway, on that happy note. (laughs) All right, drink. Everyone drink because we need it. Yes, my lukewarm fruit punch. (laughs) My my beer's starting to get a little warm. I don't like it. Uh, Pineapple. I got my cool vintage Spider-Man cup. Oh, that's awesome. You guys gotta visit me so we can go to this movie theater. It's called the Alamo Draft House, and you can buy these little things with your movie. Yes, like, I want to go to there so bad. The it glasses are like his eyeballs and that scary thing, but then there's balloons coming up oh, around us. Oh, <laughs> so so oh, good. Cool. I want it so bad. Oh, yeah. Aren't they doing the, if you dress like a clowns, the clowns <laughs> only showing? Look, I am not above it. <laughs> they are. It's a clowns only for showing. That'd be terrifying. Um, I'm saying, yeah, that's a hard, hard <laughs> task. Or no. I, I do not like clowns. I don't like either, but scary. I would literally, like, pee my pants. I'd be so creeped out. That would be, like, the ultimate experience, though. Like, true. I'm not sure there's one way to face your phobia. Jesus Christ. Oops. Well, there's also a showing of Jaws in the lake here. Like, an awesome movie. You can get on a floaty and float in the lake, and they show Jaws on a giant screen. I would do that. I would do that. that. <laughs> on that note, Natalie, are you ready to jump into yours? <laughs> All right. So... Today, let's talk about Salem. Yes, I was so hoping one of you guys did Salem. Yes. I didn't know this isn't completely in depth with it because I know, like, you know, people have seen The Crucible and, you know, it's it's super famous. Even if you don't know a whole lot about it, everyone's at least heard it. I heard, like, especially, like, or the term witch hunt, either way. So this is sort of like a, a more of a brief overview, but with some interesting tidbits that I had no idea about. So. I really liked doing this podcast because I ended up like, man, I did not know all of this information. And and then, but like two nights later, I'll sleep and then, <laughs> and I don't remember what we talked about. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I never remember what we talked about until like I listen to the episode when it drops. Yeah. Like, I'm not absorbing this information embarrassingly enough. <laughs> no joke. Anyways. Thank you. So. The Salem Witch Trials, it began in the year 1692, and it really started with a couple of girls having fits 
hallucinations, screaming, and pain, writhing on the floor. Like, they were miserable. And, of course, this is before science, you know, or much science. I mean, it's the 1600s, so we're kind of starting to find out some things, but not near to the knowledge at all that needs to be there. So the doctor who saw this could not figure it out. And, of course, what is your assumption? Witches. Witches. Of course, always. Goddamn bitches. Somebody's <laughs> heard a curse on you. Naturally. <laughs> oh, so natural. And so after that, it became rumors and other people were having these fits. And then they thought they had this basically a witch epidemic. Huge witch explosion. And they started witch hunting. And I did realize, I knew like kind of jokes about it, but I didn't know they actually went door to door. They had door to door witch hunters. And I just think of like Jehovah's Witnesses and like (laughs) salesmen and all those other stereotypical door to door people. (laughs) And they would go door to door asking them to rat on their neighbors, basically, if they had anyone suspicious in mind, acting strangely in any way. And to just basically rat out their neighbors. You know Look, what? Like, if somebody's pissed off at somebody, that's like the worst opportunity you could ever hand them. Be like, I know. suspicion, be like, that dude cut me off the other day. Yeah, witch. I got sketchy neighbors, but I don't think I'd be like, yeah, they're definitely witches. <laughs> That'd be funny if, like, all terrible drivers are witches. <laughs> <laughs> they are. Okay. Evidence. So, yeah, not much evidence was needed. Shocking. <laughs> I uh, there, was, there was spectral evidence which is basically hearsay you can just accuse somebody or they would say they envisioned someone putting a curse on them an apparition so but wouldn't envisioning be also witchy but no to them they're like witch? no i had this horrible fit i was in pain and miserable and i saw this person an apparition coming at me and they did it Oh, my God. Makes no goddamn sense. Not one bit. There was also the touch test, which means... (laughs) Luckily, it's not that bad of touch, so (laughs) it's okay. (laughs) Take a deep breath. (laughs) So, it's the person who was having the fit, the witch that cursed them, if they touched them while having the fit, and they all, all of a sudden came out of it, then they were obviously the witch that cursed them. But if you're faking your fit. <laughs> exactly. Oh, that's why, like, how does the fit come come upon them? And Man. One really interesting tidbit, a psychologist suggested that for the fits of the time, that it was ergo poisoning. Oh, yeah, I've heard that. And I mentioned um, this in, my, in the mass hysteria in, info. Is that the fungus? Uh-huh. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, they ate a lot of rye bread, and with it being wet and swampy kind of area, fungus, ergo, can come about. And if you eat enough of it, you will hallucinate and have fits. And so, hello. I think I would rather them be, like, poisoned and hallucinating and being assholes than just being, like, straight-out dicks. Yeah. Like, condemning people to death. And, of course, the summer of 1692, where it ended, it was also a really dry summer. So that kind of like helped prove that, that that really might have been the cause is the fungus poisoning. Yeah. Uh, just because like when it actually was dry and all good and well, 
Hmm. Suddenly, all the fits and the bewitchments stopped. Funny that's enough. Really, yeah, that's oddly suspicious. Mm-hmm. Convenient. <laughs> <laughs> of course, it all became an abrupt ending when the governor's wife was accused. Of course. Yes. Of course. Though I am kind of proud that the governor finally, I'm mad that he didn't put a stop to it before, but I'm glad at least, like, he protected his wife versus, like, this hoe and then just married someone younger, you know? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> uh, like, no, he actually, like, protected his wife and ended the trials and everything. I'm like, well, I'm glad you did that for your wife's sake, but you couldn't have done that earlier. A little late, Yeah. Bob. And, of course, last is just sort of the overall numbers. There were over 200 witches in the short time that were accused. That's um, insane. And 200 people. They weren't all just women. Yes, mostly, but they actually weren't. 19 women were hanged. And a 71-year-old man was pressed with stones into the water. No. Yep. That one kind of got me a little bit. It's just like Okay, but sad. can we appreciate that while he was being pressed, if I remember correctly, they were like, are you going to confess now? And he was like, no, this is actually really light. Why don't you add more stones? Fuck yeah! Like, suck my dick. Like, it <laughs> happened. That's how I'm going to go out. Damn. And the rest that were accused just served time in jail. But several did die in, in the jail because of how they were kept and tortured and all the other fun stuff that went into it. Do you ever have those historical things that you learn about that you feel very connected to? Like maybe you were there in a past life? Oh, absolutely. All the time. I feel that way about Sa- the Salem Witch Trials and about the Titanic. I've always had, like, an affinity with Egypt. I've always felt like more of that was my past life, if those exist. Yep. I'm obsessed with it for my whole life. They definitely exist. I'm sure of it. God. Yeah. I just feel so bad. Like, you just could not win in those times unless you were lucky enough to be born into the one family that's wealthy enough to be, like, immune to everything. Yeah. It's, It's very... But also with the Salem, that's like an interesting thing because with the governor's wife being accused, it was one of the few chance, few instances where like wealthy women were even accused. There was yeah. no like socioeconomic target on their back. Everybody was fair game. So it was kind of interesting. And at that point, you just hope you're married to the right person to either stand up for you or have the power to stop it or pay somebody off to get them off your back. Real talk. If my husband wasn't like, yo, step off my wife, we'd have a problem. Anyway, these were good stories. I really liked the witch topic and I can't wait yeah. to do it again. <laughs> you know, I, yes. I feel like fascinated and depressed all at the same time. It's right? true. Yeah. Like the realization that I definitely would have been burned at the stake <laughs> is a little heavy. Yeah. Yeah. I've always had that feeling like all my favorite people in history have either been burned or decapitated for being like witches or heretics or, you know, I'm like, oh, it says something about me. I'm sure it does. Yup. Even like Anne Boleyn, you know, they're like, oh, a witch, you know. Anyone that they didn't agree with was a witch. (laughs) But yeah, so thanks for listening, guys and gals and everyone in between. Yeah, hopefully we still have some guys. Please keep watching, like, I'm sorry for, like, what the what, castration issue. <laughs> well, 
My bad. Look, we've all been hurt. We've all been hurt by somebody. It's true. It's true. Wounds are deep. Well, guys, if you enjoy us here, you should enjoy us on Patreon, too, because we have extra content, extra episodes. Go to www.patreon.com to check out the tiers and join us, please. And if you join, if you're one of the first 10 people, we have one. So next nine nine people get like an extra something, something from us. We're going to send you some stickers and we're going to send you, you can pick one of us to write you a letter and then we'll send you something like like a gift, you know. Don't know what it is yet, but we'll just figure it out. Yep. We're winging it. Yeah, it'll be fun. Yeah. So we got $2 to 20. So you can pick what you want to do. Anything over five gets the, you know, drunk dives and all that good stuff. So definitely go check that out. We have a Patreon shout out. Patreon. (laughs) We have from LaToya, who is one of the coolest people we know. You guys, she is who me and Ashley are constantly like, we wish we were as cool as her. (laughs) We love LaToya. We're so happy that she has joined Patreon, that she listens, that she supports us. She is such a wonderful person and everyone should give a mental shout out to LaToya because she's amazing. And she's also from the same library that we all worked at. Yes. Another little tie. Yes. Yup, yup. And if you want to look at a, a look us up on social media, you can go to Historical AF Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And we also have merchandise. I'll go ahead and do that too. Woo! Yes, we have so much cool merchandise. We're adding to it all the time. Uh, yes, Kina is wearing her st- Historical AF Podcast tank top, and it's so comfy. I love my Historical AF Pod shirt. If you want to look at our po- our podcast merchandise, you merchandise really. <laughs> merchandise you are going to go to shop.spreadshirt.com slash historical af pod hell yeah i was at h-e-b earlier and i saw everybody looking at my shirt and i'm like hell yeah you want one of these you're so comfortable <laughs> <laughs> also listen to us yes <laughs> also we really 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 need your stories so please send us if you have a cool family history if you have a cool hometown we'll do a lot of the heavy lifting for you just tell us about it and we'll do the research and then if you have any spooky stories, true crime, anything, let us know. And we will read it on our extra AF episodes. Yeah. So email that at historicalafpod at gmail.com. Sensing a trend yet? Historical AF pod. Everything. <laughs> Except our website. Because I'm dyslexic. And I didn't realize that I misspelled historical AF on our <laughs> website until today. So it's historical AF podcast at wordpress.com. And on there we will have, we have all the photos that are on Facebook. And then we have links to everywhere you can listen to us. We have our merchandise, Patreon, all that good stuff. And some stuff about us, like our bios. So go check those out. Yep, yep. So yeah, that is the end of our second week of witches. Go forth and be witchy. (laughs) Hell yeah. Oh, yeah, don't forget your cinnamon brooms that you can buy now at the stores, apparently. Yes, it is fall. It is officially fall. Cinnamon brooms are here. They smell delicious. (laughs) Do it now. Do it now. Okay, bye. 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 Bye.